So, the big question is this. How are ambitious people like us, who don't have a lot of resources, did not go to Ivy League colleges, were not born into wealth, how do we become resourceful enough? Use our creativity, our dedication, and a little bit of crazy to bootstrap our way to realizing our dreams. Whether it is launching a new company, launching a new app, or making it to the top of the corporate ladder. That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. Please like, share, and subscribe to get new episodes, videos, and other updates. Hi, and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams Show. I'm your host, Manoj Agarwal. And today, we'll be talking with a quirky entrepreneur, Jefferson Lilly. Jefferson has a bachelor in economics from the University of Pennsylvania and an MBA from the Wharton School of the same university. However, when we say that Jefferson is a quirky entrepreneur, it's because he has chosen a business opportunity very few people look at as such. So Jefferson is a mobile home park investment expert, and we'll find out what that means. Welcome, Jefferson. Great. Thanks. Uh, Thanks uh, for having me on your show. Yeah, we are excited to learn uh, about this new opportunity. So from what I understand, you have spent nine years in sales leadership roles and several venture-backed startups in Silicon Valley. And uh, you became a full-time investor, uh, raised $10 million through podcasting. Uh, Is that true? You raised $10 million through podcasting? Uh, That's certainly about right. I mean... We ask a lot of our investors, I've raised money cumulatively now from about 160 folks. I've raised almost $30 million. Wow. And a lot of those folks say that they found me off my podcast. I see. I see. All right. Great. So uh, let's dive in and uh, let's uh, talk about this unique business opportunity and how you found it and uh, and uh, the whole story behind it. So tell us a little bit about uh, this mobile home park industry. So... I had, uh, as as you mentioned earlier, I had spent about a decade, basically most of my 30s, working for various high-tech companies uh, in Silicon Valley. I went through the dot-com boom and bust uh, and, frankly, came out of it uh, really looking more for value investing uh, rather than to continue to to do high-tech, biotech, solar tech, silly tech. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So I had already uh, been a very small uh, Berkshire Hathaway shareholder, uh, big fan of Warren Buffett and value investing. Uh, And basically, I started looking to do, uh, to make value investments, both in the stock market and then a couple of years later in real estate. And I looked initially thinking I I would buy an apartment building. uh, And just in researching multifamily, I came across mobile home parks kind of by accident. Okay. Uh, but uh, they are a, a quirky niche. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a very profitable business. Uh, I like it a lot better than really any other niche of real estate for several reasons. Um, so I got into it again, part by plan and part by dumb luck. <laughs> awesome. So um, how did you uh, how did you look at this opportunity? Like, I mean, most people, if they look at a, a real estate, they won't even think about you know this particular niche. So. Tell us, how did you, like, you know, I know it was an accident, but give us a little bit of a backstory about it and how you actually pursued it and uh, against the conventional wisdom. Uh, so so that, you know, our, our audience can also understand how they can 
replicate your innovative uh, ideas in whatever domain they are working in. Yeah, you you definitely need to be comfortable thinking outside the box. Yeah. Uh, again, I I uh, live here in San Francisco. This is the land of technology. Uh, anybody that might be doing real estate would be doing some more normal kind of real estate, yeah. like selling, you know, 1,000 square foot, three bedroom, two bath starter homes for a million and a half dollars. That's the kind of real estate that the Bay Area mm-hmm. is known for. So I definitely got some unusual looks when I told people I was buying a mobile home park at least here in the Bay Area, I got some unusual looks. Um, But I did have, I don't know, maybe one in 10 people that I mentioned this to that said, hey, I might be willing to invest. Um, uh, You know, and I had, you know, for instance, one guy just tell me like, oh, that's great. You know, uh, my dad uh, owned a park and that was what sent our whole family to Europe every summer for a nice vacation. Wow. Here's my dad's phone number. Give him a call. Um, so I went about seeking out people that were in the business to give me advice and to basically run deals by them and get their their input. So I, I built really an unofficial advisory board of about 10 guys wow. uh, that had been there, done that, and... Um, they uh, uh, the, the, they helped give me guidance on deals uh, as uh, as I was looking at them. It took me from the time I first got interested in the space until I closed on my first deal was about a year and a half. Well, that's not uh, could have done it quicker now, knowing what I know now. What sure. But anyway, but it, it was just a good learning experience. I read books and tapes, and I just did everything I could to learn about uh, this niche. Awesome. And so, uh, I mean, just to get a, a little bit more understanding, so you basically buy a lot of land and then you rent it out to mobile home uh, people who, who want to uh, yes. sort of park there. Okay. Yeah, this is effectively a parking lot business. Right. Okay. We don't own uh, maybe probably 90% of the mobile homes. We don't own. Those are owned by the residents. Okay. They are parked on our land really permanently. These are not RVs. They do not have engines in them. They are tied down to the land and have permanent utility connections, water, sewer, electric, gas. Uh, But yeah, so we really look in the long run to own just the land. Uh We will buy some houses and bring them in Uh and uh, write mortgages on them and help uh, lower income folks become homeowners So we do expand the supply of affordable housing. We'll also fix up uh, many dilapidated mobile homes that often come with the land. But in our uh, long run plan, our residents own all those homes, they're homeowners, and they just pay us the rent uh, into the land. Awesome. And so, um, so it's almost like, uh, you know, buying a rental apartment building, if you will. Similar, except I don't have any leaky toilets and leaky roofs to maintain. <laughs> How come? Uh, is, it, is, it, is it not the similar kind of like uh, maintenance that you need? Well, again, the tenants own those oh, leaky okay. toilets and leaky roofs. Got it. Got so it. it's their homes. Got and it. frankly, when folks become homeowners, they tend to take better care of their property. So uh, it's really a win-win for everybody. You know, if there is the proverbial leaky toilet, a tenant can go and get a flapper for, you know, 12 bucks at Home Depot and fix it themselves, whereas it would cost me 
120 bucks, you know, 10 times to get a plumber to show up and take care of it. So tenants become homeowners. They do pay the lot rent. That's typically more around $300. But that's a big savings once they own their house from what they were paying, perhaps, you know, upwards of $900 or $1,000 to live in what would likely be a smaller apartment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, you never build up any equity. You never have any ownership. You're just throwing your money away if you're renting. So we, uh, we help people become homeowners uh, for less uh, than what it costs them to remain a renter. Wow. Okay, that's, that's awesome. And uh, from what I understand, it, it, there's a, a very good, handsome uh, return on investment here, is it? Yeah, we, we like it. We're typically uh, able to generate uh, 10% cash on cash initially. Uh, that may grow to upwards of 20%. Uh, it depends on the deal. Uh, it depends, again, how many homes we bring in to uh, expand affordable housing. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, uh, still a, a very profitable uh, real estate niche. That's great. So um, tell us a little bit about your early uh, days. Like, did you have uh, uh, success right away? As you said, like you closed your first deal uh, after about one and a half years. But how did that deal go? Was it a success overnight or... Or did you have any challenges earlier on? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I still own that property. It's still cash flowing nicely. Uh, that's in the Oklahoma City area. Um, so, uh, so yeah, basically that deal has, <clears throat> has continued to, to do reasonably well. Uh, you know, none of these are going to be like a high-tech startup. You're not going to, you know, make a 100 or a 1,000 times your money in a year. Yeah. Um, you're also not typically don't, don't have anywhere near the sort of default and bankruptcy rate <laughs> that, uh, say, high-tech investing uh, does. Again, speaking as somebody who spent a decade at three different startups. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, this is just good, stable cash flow. Uh, mobile homes, uh, mobile home parks tend to do well, both in good times and in bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, again, we just really like the niche and, and help other people invest uh, uh, through our funds. We, we all become co-owners in the parks, and we all cash flow, and we're all helping to expand uh, the supply of affordable housing. So That's great. And then uh, how, did you, how, how did you discover, uh, dis- uh, share with us the, the accident that you talked about? How did you discover, like, did you, um, did you live in a mobile home, or how did you discover the, this niche? Because, I mean, the, the reason why I'm asking is, you know, you come from a prestigious uh, business school, you're yeah. in the heart of the Silicon Valley, which is in contrast to, uh, you know, the mobile home industry. So um, yeah. what, what I really want to understand is how people can be more self-aware and, uh, and you know, look at these opportunities and learn from your experience in doing so. Well, yeah. So when I was first looking, again, I was thinking I'd buy an apartment building, oh, yeah, and yeah. I was just looking at uh, a web, uh, several websites. One of them was LoopNet, okay. which is basically an MLS uh, service. Okay. So just in filtering on the website for multifamily, I I'd see, see ninety-nine apartment buildings. Uh, there'd be one mobile home park priced better, uh-huh. lower. And, you know, honestly, I initially thought that's absurd. I'm not buying a friggin' mobile home park. <laughs> and yeah. I deleted the search, yeah. but, you know, did it again and again, whether it was Lubbock, Texas or Ames, Iowa or Omaha, Nebraska, yeah. there was always this, you know, quirky little niche, one in a hundred of these 
multifamily properties were mobile home parks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, there'd be 99 uh, apartment buildings. Okay. Um, but that, that was really it. I just uh, uh, kind of discovered it a bit by accident yeah. and then started researching it. That makes sense. All right. So now tell us a little bit about your podcasting and blogging experience because uh, apparently, you know, you have done it very successfully and you have leveraged it to, to yeah. um, uh, you know, grow your business. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I started the industry's first podcast. It's called Mobile Home Park Investors. Oh, wow. Folks can find it on iTunes or Stitchers, Stitcher or any number of other outlets. Uh, we've also got a website, same name, mobilehomeparkinvestors.com. Uh, that also link, links people directly to the podcast as well as to our group on LinkedIn. I run the biggest group on LinkedIn that, uh, uh, you know, n- networks, mobile home park deals and management tips and whatnot. Um, anyway, so uh, so I, I just started because I had actually been on uh, a couple of other podcasts as a guest. Yeah. Uh, and then I just got to thinking, hey, I should I should do this <laughs> on my own and start it up. Uh, for our industry. So I've now been on, I don't know, probably 60 other podcasts like yours. Uh, and I've done 120 some odd of my own podcasts. Um, and so again, I have people that, that call or email, uh, I would guess roughly weekly, uh, that, that say, Hey, I've, I've, you know, heard your podcast would love to consider co-owning parks with you and investing in your fund. Uh, let's talk. So, um, Anyway, so that's uh, kind of how it's how it's come about. That's great. So, uh, so not only you are growing your business, you are also sharing your knowledge through your podcast and and other. Yes. Things. Awesome. Yep. So I also get emails uh, a lot uh, from people that have just said, "Hey, you know, thank you. I've actually bought a mobile home park because I <clears throat> listened to your podcast." <clears throat> so that's been uh, <laughs> it's been a lot of. A lot of fun. I just had a guy at the uh, the Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting oh, uh, really? go track me down and said, "Hey, I I bought a park and I listened to your podcast and that's why, uh, you know, how I learned and why I did it." So awesome. uh, it's uh, it's humbling to see other people uh, other people's lives and financial futures uh, improved because they've yeah. listened to my podcast. For sure. Um, so uh, is this is this a um, a growing industry? Like, is it a huge industry? Um, or is it like, um, uh, you know, a very niche as, as we called it, a very niche industry? Yeah, definitely niche. Uh, I would suspect again, there have to be a hundred apartment buildings for every one mobile home park. Uh, best guess is that there are about 50,000 mobile home parks here in America. Okay. And this is mostly an American phenomenon, but there, there are some up your way in Canada. Uh, I've been into a couple over in Europe where they call them static caravan parks. Um, But it's, uh, it's mostly, uh, mostly an American phenomenon. Um, But yeah, I would say 50,000 mobile home parks is, you know, dramatically smaller than what would be millions and millions of apartment complexes, let alone, you know, a hundred million or more uh, houses. Okay. That's great. So, so related to that, um, uh, will you recommend, let's say, you know, we have a lot of uh, first time entrepreneurs or, aspiring entrepreneurs in the audience. So uh, if they're looking to start a business, uh, will you recommend them uh, look for a small niche and be a big fish in that small pond or, or go um, in a big pond and be a small fish? Uh, 
you know, I don't know that it's it's quite black or white. That this is is definitely a, a smaller pond, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly relative to you know, again, apartment or hotel or office space or other other uh, uh, basic food groups of real estate, as as it were. Um, so I guess I'm a, a big or at least medium sized fish in a in a in a smaller pond. Yeah. Um, I like it. Uh, I'll take know, it as a yes then, I guess. Yeah, it, this works for me. Yeah, okay. Um, so uh, now tell us, you know, you, you had a good amount of success uh, in this business and now uh, you expanded it by sort of offering other investors to come in and, and partner with you. So tell us about that. Like, how did you make that decision? Uh, why didn't you just uh, go on your own and, uh, you know, sort of captured the market? Um, tell us a little bit about that uh, thought process. Yeah, so I both uh, uh, have <clears throat> have partnered in the past. Uh, my current fund is just me. Um, there's no right or wrong answer. Uh, my previous partner and I built up a good business, but then had some differences, uh, different opinions of how to manage uh, the properties going forward. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm now do, doing my own, uh, fund, same, same sorts of deals, size acquisition, same strategy, uh, and keeping operations in house. So again, no, no right or wrong answers there. I've, I've invested again, both, uh, in partnership and, uh, uh alone. Okay. But right now you do accept, um, external money to partner with you or is it, you only invest your own money? Oh no no I'm I'm actively raising money soliciting yeah so I've I've raised about seven and a half million now since the first of the year okay uh, and uh, that's been from approximately fifty individuals awesome um, so uh, yeah so we're we're actively raising I say it's co ownership of of properties I take no fees uh-huh. uh, I I split profits with my investors they put up the capital I find and manage the deals uh-huh. uh, even personally guarantee the bank debt but um, my uh, uh, and my partners again are, are passive investors now they're limited partners yeah. what I was mentioning earlier was that I had a general partner in the partnership as well. Got it. Got it, got it. And so um, you, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I suppose like you have properties across the uh, the U.S. Yes, we are coast to coast. Uh-huh. Uh, most of our properties, eighty-five percent, are in the Midwest. We've got a, a fair amount in and around Kansas, uh, Oklahoma, uh, up into Wisconsin. Um, uh, but we do own own properties in Spokane, Washington, and also over in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. So we are technically coast to coast. So uh, how do you manage these properties? Like, do you do you have people taking care of these properties, or like, uh, or do you visit them uh, yourself? Uh, both. Uh, so all the properties have an on-site person, an on-site community manager. Okay. Uh, we then have. Uh, a regional manager that oversees them, uh, coaches them, makes sure they're compliant, keeping the parks clean, uh, obviously collecting the rents, um, overseeing, moving in mobile homes. Uh, anyway, and, and then those regional folks uh, report up into me. So we've got uh, a couple of folks. And then I still try and get out and see the properties about once a year. And what uh, what role does uh, technology play in this uh, industry? Like, do you have systems that you use, software tools and things like that? Or is it pretty much old school paper-based systems? 
uh, not old school paper. Uh, that would just be too difficult. Uh-huh. So uh, we use a uh, rent accounting uh, package called Rent Manager. Okay. Uh, it's in the cloud. Our managers at the community level can log in, log a payment. Uh, we at headquarters can see whether that payment has come in or not. Uh, so that's how we do most of the rent accounting. We make extensive use of Dropbox. We upload uh, uh, leases. We upload photos of houses, documenting repair work, uh, uh, other things up into Dropbox. We make extensive use of email, some texting. Uh, we also use uh, Slack, uh, that, that software for uh, exchanging um, uh, messages as well. Uh, so anyway, that's that's just so, some of the technology that uh, that we use to manage properties remotely. That's great. Um, and now, uh, you know, being being in this niche, uh, we cannot avoid but talk about uh, this aspect of social responsibility in this business. So uh-huh. you, know, you also said earlier that you're uh, providing um, uh, housing at uh, at a low uh, income level. So tell us a little bit about that. Was it a motivation for you to enter into this niche as well? Um, yeah, that had always, uh, uh, been on my radar screen. Uh, that's a great way to both make more money and do uh, the right thing socially. Yeah. Uh, our average in, uh, resident probably makes about $35,000 a year income. Mm-hmm. Uh, manufactured housing is really their only path to becoming a homeowner. Uh-huh. So, Anyway, we help folks, again, become homeowners. I've had some folks even thank me uh, as they've left a couple of the parks and moved on to own regular site-built houses. Uh They've said we help them get out of the game of paying rent in an apartment building, used us kind of as a stepping stone to then move on to to own uh, the home and the land. Anyway, so that that's also an encouraging to hear. Yeah, uh, but there's just no no shortage of demand of uh, no shortage of demand for affordable housing, and yeah. we help well, provide that. That must that must add a lot of uh, satisfaction to the work that you're doing. It does. Yeah. Awesome. And now, uh, I mean, uh, you know, all uh, all businesses carry a little bit of a risk, but as you enter into an unknown risk uh, niche or yeah. something unusual there's a heightened sense of, um, you know, not knowing what's going to happen. So how, like, did you, did you have any apprehensions uh, as you entered into this niche? Um, not really. Uh, I, again, had, had done, I, I thought all that I could to get uh, wiser about the niche. And again, had built that advisory board of folks that were uh, uh, park owners so, you know, at some point you've just got to jump in, whatever your, whatever your niche is, whatever your business is going to be at, at some point, we all have a first day on the job. Yeah, so, yeah. um, uh, anyway, so I think I learned as much as I could have prior to getting into the business. And certainly I've learned a lot more now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't say I really had any, uh, any apprehension about it. No. So basically, you know, um, the message is like, you know, be well prepared and just dive in and uh, things will work out. Yes. <laughs> awesome. okay. Luck favors the bold or fortune yeah, yeah. favors the bold, something like that. Awesome. Um, all right. Uh, thanks a lot for such a great interview. Now, um, you know, you, you've been a very sort of inspiring entrepreneur that we have on our show, looking at something, you know, 
uh, very unusual. Um, I'd love for you to give some, you know, some uh, advice to aspiring entrepreneurs, like how, what should they do to get things off ground or what should they look at in, in uh, preparation for their entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, so I think whatever your niche is going to be, it, it definitely helps to have an advisory board, peer group, call it what you will, but people that have been there and done that. Um, even if you're doing something completely different that nobody has ever done before, you're still going to have issues around marketing, hiring, you know, human resources, financing. Uh, so get get help, get advice from folks that have experience. Um, and, you know, you'll you'll blend it. Uh, you may not do exactly what any of your advisors say a hundred percent, but uh, again, I, I think that that's a, a pretty key thing to do no matter what niche you're, yeah. you're going to become an entrepreneur in is, is find people that have been there and done that and can, can advise you on, on how to do things more quickly. Yeah. Don't drone reinvent the wheel and don't try to do everything right. yourself. Right. Don't make the same mistakes someone else has made. Go make all your own new mistakes. <laughs> and then pass it along to others. Yes, uh, pass it forward. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else that you may want to share before we talk about your company and your services? Uh, no, I think that's been a good overview. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been such an interesting topic. Too, and uh, thank you so much for sharing it openly. Uh, now, before I let you go, can you tell us a little bit about your company and how people can reach out if they want to invest? Sure. So uh, the company is Park Avenue Partners, and the website is simply parkavenuepartners.com. Uh, they'll find uh, a wealth of information there, a, a recorded webinar, some shorter materials, sh shorter to, to digest materials to download. Um, Anyway, so just, just come to parkavenuepartners.com. You'll be able to contact me there, uh, ask whatever questions you have, and, and again, get, uh, uh, get the private placement memorandum, uh, a webinar, and, and other information there. And uh, Again, we'd love to co-own mobile home parks uh, uh, with folks. They do need to be accredited investors uh, to invest, um, and the minimum is about 50000 and uh, again, we're, we're targeting upper single digit uh, cash returns and then some larger uh, payouts uh, towards the end of the fund when we would be liquidating. So uh, we think folks will probably get low to mid teens uh, IRR, co compound their money uh, uh, 13 to 15% a year uh, by co-owning parks with us. That's, that's about uh, what Warren Buffett achieves, isn't it? Uh, well, at least what he used to when he was smaller. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. That's great. Thank you so much for a very interesting interview. Uh, I'm sure everybody got a lot of value out of it. Thanks. Yep. Thanks for having me. So again, I'm Manoj Agarwal, and thanks a lot for joining us on Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. And now, if you are an existing or an aspiring technology entrepreneur, then I invite you to check out my new online workshop bootstrapping your tech startup dreams. Go to go.tetranoodle.com slash boot hyphen podcast and sign up for free. I want to make sure more successful and sound decisions are made every day in your tech projects. Let's start finding solutions to your problems. So go to go.tetranoodle.com slash boot hyphen podcast and I look forward to helping you with your tech startups.